0: We've been really into rock climbing for a long time, and we were on a climbing trip up in Oregon, and we were basically hanging out around Smith Rocks. And it was summer, and it was so hot, and um, we still were excited to climb, but it was, I mean, it was like in the hundreds, it was miserable. So we had a friend there that lived in Oregon, he said, oh, hey, you know, we should go raft this river, and that sounded so great because it has been so hot. And so we went to this raft shop. Where we were going to rent some little inflatable, um, kayak and the whole way Kathy and I are reading this book, trying to just soak up as much as we can about what are, how, how am I going to survive in this kayak? We go out into the lake. Kathy's about waist deep. I'm sitting in the kayak. I've got the paddle, the helmet, the PFD. I'm all geared up. I look like a kayaker and I flip over in this freezing cold water. Well, Lo and behold, I actually stuck my first roll and roll up probably with a little bit of Kathy's help and um, come up and I'm like, wow, that wasn't too hard. And before I knew it, you know, Kathy and I on the days when it was too hot to go climbing or um, incidentally enough, too rainy to go climbing, kayaking became our go to thing to do. And um, it's kind of shaped our life as far as where we go, what we do.
1: Coming back from a photo shoot nearly 10 years ago, Peter and Kathy Holcomb realized that they were merely coming home to mow the grass, pick up the mail, attend a few other errands, and then head out again on the next week for their next adventure. It dawned on them that if they downsized everything and moved into a life on the road, that they would always have their life with them, negating the need to return anywhere. And so they considered it, they deliberated, and they did it. They planned for well over a year, and when the decision was made, they mapped out their itinerary and work along the way. They sold off their brick and mortar business, a photo studio that they had been building for the past dozen years, yet their largest hesitation was how they would educate their daughter Abby from the road. They had always been supportive of public education, yet knew something had to give for a life on the road. There was a number of trial and error with the educational opportunities, but they found a program that fits, and Abby is thriving. She is a part of the Junior Olympic whitewater paddling team. They have paddled the Grand Canyon together, Abby being one of the youngest people perhaps to have ever done so, paddling the entire 230-plus miles on her own and they have adventured all over this country and now have begun their trek around the world having just returned from six months in Europe. These guys are truly pioneers. They've been at it for almost five years now and they have so much to share with us about building a business on the road, pursuing your passion, following a gut feeling, and learning how to thrive in new ever-evolving environments. So I hope you enjoy the show this week with the Holcombs, also known as Famagogo. Hey, Colin. Hey, Peter. How are you?
0: Oh, let's see. I think I'm good. Kathy's here, too. Hello. Hi, Kathy. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: Good. And do you have Abby as well? Yeah, she's right back here behind us. Hey, Abby. Hi. How are things going for you guys? They're good. They're, um, you know always changing a mile a minute in our worlds.
0: Yeah, literally.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we don't have to dive into that stuff. This calls about you guys and all the cool stuff you're doing.
0: Uh, Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of um, inspired that you guys are in Joshua Tree. Is that where you still are?
1: Yeah, we are. I just biked about three minutes down the road to the Copper Mountain Mesa Community Center, which is now my mobile office. Or no, Sorry, no longer mobile. (laughs) There's high speed internet, a beautiful view and a nice shade. Well, that's good. Yeah, here we are overlooking the Joshua Tree Mountain Vista.
0: Ah, perfect. I love it.
1: And where are you guys today?
0: We are in Portugal. Um, we just got into southern Portugal, and um, we're just kind of getting, um, getting it figured out here a little bit, but um, had to go hang out and um, do a little photography on the beach right at sunset. So that's where we've been.
1: Great. And yeah, you got to capture that magic hour.
0: Yeah, hopefully. It's pretty beautiful here. So
1: Awesome. And are you paddling in the ocean at all, or are you guys sticking um, on waterways more inland?
0: Uh, we do both. So the waves haven't been really big here yet that we found. there's there's they're they're pretty it's beautiful, but um the waves are small. So we're hoping as we kind of kick around from the south side of Portugal out on the west side that the waves are gonna get well, I know they're gonna get much bigger. Um, some of the biggest waves in the world are over there, and um, we're not exactly looking for hundred footers right now, but <laughs> there's a lot of. A lot of good surf to be had, so we're going to be keeping our eyes out for getting out there in our kayaks and surfing some waves in the kayaks. But predominantly, we we're looking for rivers. But um, you know, we can't resist a good wave in the ocean either, so it's fun.
1: Yeah, as you were saying that, I was just picturing Abby dropping into um, Nazare on one of those big days, and yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> we're well... headed that way for sure. I don't know about dropping in on the big one. But...
1: <laughs> And it must um, it must actually be swell season and now. Uh, they get the post hurricanes off the United States. Those are the ones that are uh, spitting you know the large the large swell into Portugal. Correct?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um... I looked at the surf report this morning for there and it was saying anywhere from 10 to 20 footers. Ooh. So, I mean, that's, that's big for sure. But, um, I think for there, it's a pretty calm day. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be over that way in probably three, maybe four days. And, um, we'll see that it's supposed to get, um, bigger the next four or five days and then start tapering down a little bit. But, um, I guess you can't totally trust the surf report here, like, um, till maybe two days out. So we'll see it, Hopefully, hopefully we get to see, see a really big show. That's what we're hoping for.
1: Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, do you guys want to give us a little bit of an overview of the past few months? So, I mean, the past... Five years, I know you guys have been traveling around the U.S. in your RV, and I, I want to yeah. get into the decision as to why you did that. But just give us a sense of your day-to-day um, these past few weeks and few months as you've crossed the, uh, the Great Atlantic to our neighboring Europe.
0: Yeah, so, boy, in June, we, um, we flew over. Right before that, we shipped our Revel van. It's a Winnebago Revel. It's a Sprinter van. And we shipped it over from Maryland to Zeebrugge, Belgium. And that takes about two weeks for the vehicle to make the trip. And so then we timed it. So we flew over to Paris, had a couple of days, you know, doing Paris city stuff. And then got a rental car, drove up to Zeebrugge, And luckily our van was there. And um, <laughs> we um, got it out of the clink and um, then took off basically um, straight for Spain. Uh, where Abby was competing in the World Championships of Freestyle Kayaking, representing you know Team USA. So that was really cool. And we spent about a month in the Pyrenees in Spain in a little town called Sort, and that's where the competition was. And that went amazingly well. Abby ended up being fourth in the world. Wow! Yeah.
1: Congratulations, Abby.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. And then let's see from there, we've, I mean, this is going to be kind of condensed, but we um, basically after Spain, we shot over to the French Alps and um, went to a couple kayak festivals over there and paddled a bunch of rivers. And then uh, from there up to um, Switzerland. And then in Switzerland, we decided that we, we really wanted to go to Norway, but, you know, there's definitely like a window for Norway. So we wanted to be up there while the weather's nice. So we decided just to blaze up to Norway. So we crossed Germany. Netherlands all that and then ended up in Norway and we did a month in Norway working our way basically all the way up through um, Voss and Lofoten and then on up to um, Nordkop, which is the highest point in Europe that you can drive to I guess it's the highest point period and um, did that and then came back down after a month in Norway and we went to uh, probably the world's largest rv show which is the caravan salon in dusseldorf germany and that was pretty eye-opening to see how europe um does the whole rv caravan um you know it's everything from vans to you know campers like we think of in the states to trailers to unimogs to all kinds of stuff um and they're big class a's or there's not near as many of the of the really big rvs but the ones they had had garages that were made perfectly for Porsches to dock into and some really, um, you know, just eye-opening stuff. But um, basically, van life is alive and well in Europe in so many facets and um, so many different people doing it for different reasons. But um, it was really neat to go to that show and experience that. And then um, from there, we went over to the UK and did a whole tour of the UK, um, hitting a bunch of kayak places. Um, uh, we probably spent the most time in Nottingham, England, at um, the British Paddle Sports Center there. And then went up to Scotland and explored all of Scotland. And then, um, let's see, we crossed back over, crossed Germany, crossed Switzerland over to Austria. And um, we kind of did a quick trip through Austria, but then over to Slovakia and Slovenia and paddled some rivers over there that, I, that I'd been really wanting to do um, on the Socha River, which has this glowing blue water that's just otherworldly. And then down to Croatia, and we did a circumnavigation of the Isle of Rab. Isle of Rab, yeah. And went the whole way around it and um, camping and whatnot. That took, uh, what, five days. And um, that was really cool. And then we kind of explored the rest of Croatia, got up into the mountains, and um, it's just amazing. And then we decided um, either we're going to go south to Greece or we're going to go over to Spain again and Portugal which this is kind of a hot spot to be this time of year, just because the weather is so nice here. And so we decided, let's go to Spain and Portugal again. So we really loved our time in Spain, but we only saw really the little part of the Pyrenees where we were. So now we've kind of done um, the whole southern Spain, and now we're into southern Portugal, and here we are. We've got three weeks left, and then we're going to do all of Portugal, and then we ship, uh, on a, well, we get on a ferry and go to the U.K., from um, northern Spain, and then we'll have to drop our van off at the at the port there in um, Southampton, and then um, the van will come back to the U.S. and we'll spend a couple of days in London, and then we'll fly back and hopefully meet it all well in um, in in Maryland again. Yeah. So it's been six months, six month tour, and um, it's been amazing. It's been we've seen so much, but um, we're kind of happy and sad. To be going back home to the usa it's going to be good
1: yeah i'm just scrolling through your instagram page as you were sharing the highlights (laughs) and oh my gosh it looks incredible
0: thanks yeah it's been amazing it's been an eye-opener um we've been to europe kathy and i came to europe on our honeymoon and did a lot of climbing here back 20 years ago and mostly in the alps and um i can't say it's changed some things have changed a little bit but for the most part it's just as amazing but um Being in our own van has been an amazing experience where, you know, we really last time we rented a car and we kind of tent camped all over the place. And this time just being able to be anywhere we want and having, you know, instead of five weeks, we had six months and it's just been incredible to really feel like we're getting entrenched in the culture and what it's like and getting comfortable driving on the skinny roads and all that. It's um, it's been really great. We've learned a lot,
1: and you must be happy that you have the Revel for this journey instead of the original vehicle that you've been driving around in the past few years, correct?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's been um, much easier to drive here. In fact, everybody looks at our van. They're like, "Oh my gosh, it's so big." <laughs> we always kind of laugh because you know, like in the states, this would be considered very small, especially for three people. But it's true. It feels really big in some places, and then um, you know. Most of the time, though, it's just been it's been perfect for what we're doing.
1: So how did you guys jump in, Kathy or Abby, if if you guys want to jump in at all? How did the idea for the trip to Europe come about? Was it particularly based around the Junior World Championship?
3: Um, I think that played a role in where we went first. But this actually all started as just kind of a crazy idea that I said we should just take an RV around the world. And we had seen most of North America. We'd been to 49 states. We still haven't taken an RV to Hawaii, but we're still working on figuring that out. And after seeing all that, North America started feeling really small. And I was like, you know, we should just keep going and explore what's over the next horizon. And so we set our sights on taking a Winnebago around the world And it coincided uh, with the world championships in Europe. And so we picked that as our first destination. And we thought that it would be kind of a nice transition. It's so similar to the U.S. in so many ways. We thought that would be kind of a good warm up to get us ready for um, the other continents that might be a little less like home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really smart. Yeah. So you guys have been on the road for, correct me if I'm wrong, at least five years as a family. Is that right?
3: Yes. um, We're wrapping up our sixth year right now in June. So it's been a long time. It's been the best thing that we ever did. It started out with um, a road trip when Abby was 10 years old and Peter and I were coming back from a photography assignment in Moab, Utah. And we just wanted to stay in the desert a few more days and was in reality was we were coming home, mowing the grass, doing the laundry, and then heading out to another great place to do a photo shoot for work. And we were like, man, all we want to do is just stay and climb for a few days and hike and bike and all of that. And on that drive home, I was like, well, what if we got rid of the house? What if we didn't have to go home? What if we could just stay And Peter like laughed out loud. He he was like, there's no way we can do that. We we have a house, we have a business, we have a kid. And so, you know, we just kind of tabled it for a little bit. But it's one of those things like those really important dreams, they just keep coming back. And we kept talking about it more and more and as we started really thinking about what was holding us back from living this way, it was just us being afraid of doing something that we didn't know anything about. And once we really isolated that, then we just had to work through why we were afraid and decide if it was actually a dangerous, bad decision or if it was just the unknown. And, you know, it's one of those things that you really can't answer. And so we decided that we would just try it for a little while. And so we booked a year's worth of photo shoots and decided that we would do those from the road. And then we could decide if we wanted to come back and reestablish our business in a physical location or if we would just keep going. And it turned out that it was the best thing we ever did, and here we are, almost six years later, um, going strong and loving it.
1: That's amazing. And if I can um, back you up a little bit, Kathy, when you were when you realized that it was only your fear that was holding you back, what what kind of fear was it for you as a family? with, you know, having a, a career, a community, you know, a sense of your life and just uprooting all that for a dream. what Can you talk me a little bit through what that decision process was like and how you overcame that? Because for us at, at the Rewilding Parenthood podcast, that's really the heart of why I interview people is because it is so hard to do these major decisions. Yet every time I speak to somebody, they always say the same thing. We're so happy that we did it. And I can't imagine what my life would be like if we hadn't.
0: Yeah, that's a really important thing. Um, We were scared of, you know, we built this business for 10 years, and it was thriving, and everything was was really going great. Except, you know, we got past the whole building the business phase that was exciting. And we were kind of just wrapped up in just the grind, you know, and we were looking for something new and interesting and, and we love to travel. We've always loved to travel. Um, But basically what it came down to is um, my mom had a stroke and my parents had worked all their life to, you know, do the normal thing. They had the, the house, the cars, the retirement, and they were retired at that point and they were getting ready to head to Europe themselves on a big trip. And the night before they left, she had a stroke. And so then that's basically paralyzed the whole left side of her body, you know, like so many stroke victims. And it's uprooted their whole life, you know. And at that point, I saw that. And we went through that as a family. And I realized right there that there's no guarantee that tomorrow's going to be what you think it's going to be. And at that point I was like, you know, it's not a matter of us being scared or not, or what this might do to our career or any of that. It's like, if this is what we want to do, we got to go for it because who knows, you know, I could walk in front of a bus tomorrow and it could be lights out. So that really motivated me to be like, yeah, I want to do these things in my life. And it's still, I I think about almost, it's a major part of how we make decisions. If we really want to do something, do it. You know, what's what's holding you back? You might as well go for it now. And, um, you know, life's life could be a really long thing or it could be a really short thing, but you got to make it exactly what you want it to be every day. And so that's kind of what we try to do now is really thinking of it as a big picture but also as a day by day you know what what's it like if if this is the last day is this how you really want to live your life so that's a yeah.
1: yeah it's a wonderful philosophy go ahead Kathy
3: we didn't just throw caution to the wind either we took about a year to pull all of the pieces together to make it a risk that we were willing to take and so for us we like i said we booked a whole year's worth of work in advance. So we knew that we would have income coming in throughout that year. And so once we had our income in place, we also got rid of any debt that we had. We decided to sell our home so that we didn't have an anchor point. And so basically, whenever we started on in the middle, June 16th, 2014, all ties were just kind of tied up. Everything was tied up. The house was gone. We didn't have that responsibility. All the bills were gone. We didn't have that responsibility. We basically had a clean slate and we took the gamble. And what we found is that the work that we started to focus on really changed. And so when we didn't have all those responsibilities of just running that rat race to pay for a big house and this lifestyle that we had built in the suburbs. All of a sudden, we had a lot of time and a lot more money than what we were used to. And that gave us this huge amount of freedom to pursue the things that we were really interested in. And so Peter started doing um, personal photography projects. I started writing. And it just evolved into the career that we had always dreamed about. But we didn't even believe that it existed until we just started doing it so it was an amazing process through the whole thing
1: that's awesome and i listened to a few your other podcasts that you were highlighted on the the dirtbag diaries and i know you had mentioned there part of the decision through you know deciding to hit the road was to show abby that you know you were the kind of parents that were willing to confront your fears and go after your dreams and um I don't know if you're still there, Abby, or if you've jumped to yeah. the back of the van, but do you feel like you've... Um You've been able to embody that spirit yourself, or have you seen your parents overcome these challenges? And has that inspired you to um, take on any anything yourself?
2: Definitely, yeah. I think I've taken it on in different ways because I'm a kid, but definitely <laughs> throughout my kayaking, um, I have the same mindset, I guess. And uh, when I was 12, I went down the Grand Canyon, and it's a really big trip—280 uh, miles of really big white water. But I had a goal that I really wanted to kayak the whole entire Grand Canyon. And I wanted to challenge myself with all those big rapids. So I had the same mindset and I took it piece by piece. And I overcome a lot of challenges and huge rapids. And I paddled the whole entire length of the Grand Canyon. And uh, so little things like that. And I started my own business this year and stuff like that.
1: Wow. And just so I I will put this in the show notes, but anybody that's curious on your story, that particular podcast with the Dirtbag Diaries, it gave me chills listening to it. And I'm getting chills now just thinking about... That moment of you, you and your dad, all all of you looking at lava, and you know, just really trying to imbo- understand what that's like through your eyes when you you said you were twelve years old. Yeah, that's incredible. So yeah, congratulations, and um, yeah, it's so awesome to see all of your accomplishments on the road, and yeah, it's so cool. And one one thing I'm curious about: a lot of uh, a lot of parents that have older children, they feel like um, it's too hard to pull them away from their friends, is that something that you felt was a challenge for you? Or have you found your community on the road to be just as interesting or, or, or more?
2: Well, thank you so much. And um, my community has grown so much, especially with the international travels this year and the world championships. I know people from all around the United States as well as Europe now, which is really cool. And I'm super excited to continue our trip around the world and meet new friends.
1: Great. And um, give you a little plug here. What is your new business?
2: Um, I... And in the process of building a public speaking business, so going around, my goal is to go around to schools and show students who don't have the same opportunities as I do, that there are plenty of opportunities around them, and to take advantage of all the cool things that they have, and to do things outside of their comfort zone.
1: That is wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so this is the water season guys. So I, I, I mean, there's so much areas that we could go or places that we could cover, but, um, maybe Peter, if you could take us back to how water became a big part of your life and, and how that's transitioned to become a part of the family life.
0: Yeah. So how did water become a part of our life? This kind of, um, a funny story, maybe, um, we, um, We've been really into rock climbing for a long time. And um, this was back when Kathy and I were in college and we were on a climbing trip up in Oregon and we were basically hanging out around Smith rocks and it was summer and it was so hot and um, we still were excited to climb, but it was, I mean, it was like in the hundreds, it was miserable. So we had a friend there that lived in Oregon. He said, Oh, Hey, you know, we should go raft this river. And that sounded so great because it's been so hot. And so we went to this raft shop. We were going to rent some little inflatable, um, kayaks and whatever else we could find. we go in this place and I, I'd done a little bit of whitewater commercial whitewater rafting and, um, canoeing and stuff, but we walk into the store and, um, I see instantly my eyes go straight to this red kayak that's in the corner. It's a dancer. And my friends are looking at these rafts and, uh, and to rent them. And I was like, Hey, I want to rent that. And, um, The guy at the store was like, well, you kind of got some experience, you know, before we can rent you a kayak because it's, it's like a step up from a raft. And I was like, oh yeah, I've done lots of, you know, canoeing and stuff. I think it'll be fine. And, um, so I maybe embellished my story a little bit, but, um, anyway, I walked out of that store with that red kayak and my friends had a raft. We got a couple of rafts. So I got this raft, this kayak and all the gear and I was like, fired up. I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. Um, so we head to the river, we go to the McKinsey river, which isn't a super crazy river, but it's definitely whitewater. And, um, on the way up there, I was like, gosh, you know, I've got this kayak, but you know, I, I have friends who were kayakers and I knew they could roll kayaks and do all this neat stuff. And, um, I was like, how do you do that? And so there was before the internet, right? So we go to the library in Corvallis, Oregon, and, Go to the sports section and I pull up this William Neely book that is about, it's, it's actually entitled Kayak and it's a cartoon how-to kayak book. And um, I open it up and I look at it. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I check it out. We jump in the car. We have like a three hour, three or so hour drive up to the river and the whole way, Kathy and I are reading this book, trying to just soak up as much as we can about what are, how, how am I going to survive in this kayak? And so then we look on the map. There's a lake. We stop at this lake. We get the kayak down. And in the corner of this book, if you flip your fingers through it, it's like a cartoon. And it shows a little cartoon, um, moving cartoon, an animated cartoon of this of this character rolling a kayak, taking you through the steps. So I watched that like a hundred times. I flip through it. Okay, I'm ready to try it. We go out into the lake, Kathy's about waist deep, I'm sitting in the kayak, I've got the paddle, the helmet, the PFD, I'm all geared up, I look like a kayaker, and I flip over in this freezing cold water. Well, lo and behold, I actually stuck my first roll and roll up, probably with a little bit of Kathy's help, and um, come up, and I'm like, wow, that wasn't too hard. And then did it a few more times, and um, paddled around the lake a bit, got a feel for the boat, and then the next day, I go down the river. So. All's great I'm loving it it's just awesome and we get to the first um, kind of sizable rapid and I hit the first wave it's great I hit the second wave it's great third wave uh, next thing I know I'm on my head and I'm upside down well I um, I go for my roll it doesn't really work the same as it did in in the flat water <laughs> it does in the white water so I end up swimming I come out of the boat I'm swimming down the rapid it's it's a pretty um, benign rapid so you know it took me a little bit to get out. Get the water back out of the boat. Get back in the river. We go on down. We well, end up probably swimming four or five times that day, which um, wasn't a deterrent at all. I actually walked away from that day being so fired up to go kayaking more. It was amazing. So then we get off that trip. I had another friend who was a climber, kayaker, and he just bought a new boat. So I bought his old boat. I started piecing together my own gear and before i knew it you know kathy and i on the days when it was too hot to go climbing or um incidentally enough too rainy to go climbing kayaking became our go-to thing to do and um then about when abby was um well i guess abby wasn't born yet but soon thereabouts it got to be a really great thing for us to do as a as a young family because we could go out with some friends that had kids all as kayakers And um, then when Abby was born, this was especially important, the dads would go out and do a morning run. And usually we paddle something a little harder. Then the moms would go out and do something as moms. And we'd take turns watching the kids and we'd do that all weekend. And so it made for a really great weekend where we could all get to go do the thing we wanted to do but yet, you know, we had the kids taken care of. And so um, we did that for a number of years. And um, then we bought our own family raft and started doing a bunch of multi-day raft trips where usually it was me rowing the, the raft and Kathy kayaking along and Abby in the raft with me. And that was good for a little while. Then um, when Abby was four, we bought her a tiny little Jackson kayak, um, Fun One, which is the smallest commercially made kids kayak. And she took to it right away, but you know, basically in pools and lakes at first and just getting, you know, just slapping around in the water and having a good time. And then we'd go on these raft trips. She would paddle the flat water parts in her own little kayak. And then we got to the rapids, she'd jump out in the raft and we'd go through those in the big raft. Well, she started getting better and better over the years. And eventually it was Kathy or me rowing the raft. And we started kind of arguing about who had to row this raft because it wasn't near as fun as the kayak. (laughs) So then eventually the the raft got sold and we started doing a lot of multi-day trips out of our kayaks. We put all of our camping gear and food and everything we needed to survive for three to seven days in our kayaks. And we started doing trips like the San Juan river in Southern Utah. And, um, at that point, um, Abby really kind of um, started taking off with it. She got a really solid roll and was running harder and harder whitewater. And um, I don't know. And now kayaking is kind of not totally replaced climbing for us. I still love to climb. But honestly, I do a lot more paddling than I do climbing these days and um it's kind of shaped our life as far as where we go what we do and um and now with abby paddling at the level she is you know we're just trying to keep up so i don't know if that's what you had in mind with that question but that's kind of how it's happened with us sure so water is an integral part um it really shapes where we go what we do a lot of you know our friends are all the same way they're just as into kayaking as we are and um it's Built a lot of amazing relationships with some really interesting people and um, really taken us to some amazing places that we would have never have discovered otherwise. Climbing did that as well. And that's kind of the thing I like about these sports that um, take you off the beaten path and maybe have a travel element involved where you're really going somewhere to do something takes you to places that, you know, 90% of the people who just um, drive around to see things, you know, might never discover because they have no reason to go to these wild places.
1: Yeah, it it really is a testament to your philosophy. I mean, you've really built a life around this type of Adventure, um, not only through you know the things that you pursue as a passion, but you've built work around it, and now you know your daughter is is building. Abby, you're building a career around, or you know wh- whatever you want to call it, a, a pursuit, a, a passion around around an ethos, and and. You know, I'm just looking through your website, your photography right now, and it's it's really stunning. It's really inspiring.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for saying that.
1: And so this around the world trip that you're on, you're you've just so if the North America was the warm up the past five years, um, Europe has been the appetizer. you're coming back and and what are you looking forward to and and what's coming next for you guys?
0: Well, Europe has been amazing. Um we're really. Honestly, it's funny you do a trip like this and you realize what you miss from home. It makes it really apparent. And so we are looking forward to getting back to the States and seeing friends that we haven't seen for six months and going to some of our favorite rivers and all of that. But um, we're basically going to come back and do our normal summer tour Um through Colorado, Utah, Idaho, all that. And then um, it's looking like right now, Abby's going to come back to Europe and do the World Cup Series, which is a series of kayak competitions in Europe. And then um, as soon as that's done, we're going to basically get our van to probably Colombia, and we're going to start our trek through south america and that'll be the next tour um we're thinking that's probably going to be another six month thing but um boy six months hasn't really been enough in europe we thought it sounded like a long time but i think we could all do another a a complete year here or more but um we'll see you know but that's the next thing is south america go down there and explore i really want to go to patagonia and um boy just um Chile and Argentina alone is just loaded with so many great things for us to explore as overland travelers and as as kayakers and climbers but um we're we're hoping to maybe make it to um Antarctica too we have a um something in the works there that we hope maybe works out that'll take us there and um i don't know you know check out what's down south i've been a little bit down there but um it's just like our first trip to Europe was was kind of just a, a brush over and um, it's going to really, really neat to get down there and really take it in and learn better Spanish and, you know, um, <laughs> get to really experience it.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll see you on the journey. I don't know. Well, uh, it seems like all of our plans are evolving a little bit. It looked like I was looking at your map. It seemed like perhaps you were going to drive down there, but it, now it seems like you might skip all of mexico and central and, and ship to Colombia.
0: that's kind of our current thought is just to go down to Colombia and start yeah. off there um because you got to pay to ship anyway to get around the darien gap yeah so our thought is it's pretty easy to get down into mexico and um, even central america so we, well, you know we in some ways we we feel like the clock is kind of ticking you know abby's 15 she's already talking about getting her own van <laughs> and doing her own trips <laughs> so um So, you know, um, I don't know how much longer she's going to want to hang out with mom and dad and go do all this stuff. I mean, I think she's going to continue to travel and probably travel in a very similar fashion. But um, I think she's going to be looking for um, purely whitewater things to do and maybe not want us around for all of it, (laughs) as bad as that sounds. So we'll see, you know, we want to make the most of it. And um, not that the Central America and Mexico aren't amazing. We're looking forward to that as well. But um, I don't know.
1: You got to make decisions. Yeah.
0: Chile and Argentina are really calling us. Yeah. There's some amazing rivers down there that we want to go experience. So
1: I, I think that's smart. And, you know, you can like you said, you can zip right down to Mexico and Central whenever you want. But the South America trip is a, is a much bigger commitment. So you might as well. Um, yeah. Do it now.
0: Yeah,
3: I think that's what we learned most on this trip here is um, we have seen so much and we thought we would be able to check it all off the list. And our list is probably four times bigger than when we first arrived. You just um, we just want to go deep into an area instead of just surveying everything. And so that's why we decided to just focus a little bit on this next leg.
1: Yeah, it's it's a part of the the van life culture is when you, at some point, you realize, okay, this isn't this is actually not enjoyable. If I keep driving every day or seeing new things, I just want to slow down and and appreciate a few less places. And um, you know, you can have a completely different experience if you do that. Exactly. For sure.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's so true.
1: And so, Kathy, uh, one of the other podcasts I listened to, which um, I was really inspired by, and I'm curious. Could you speak to how this lifestyle's helped you take on some of your own adventures? I know you spoke to a little bit of traveling on your own and taking on some some bigger trips by yourself. Is that something that's still a part of your philosophy and what you're doing?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, last year, I decided that I wanted to do a thousand miles of self-powered adventures, and some of the things that I wanted to do, Peter and Abby were really excited about, and some of them they had absolutely no interest in at all. Uh (laughs) They definitely prefer whitewater over flatwater. And there were some things that I really wanted to experience that they weren't interested. And so um, I ended up doing many of those miles by myself. And it was the first time I'd ever really entered the wilderness alone. I mean, Peter and I have been adventure partners for 20 years. And so it started with a solo backpack trip on the Appalachian Trail through uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And I absolutely fell in love with it. It was hard and it was scary. And um, I missed my family terribly, but it was the most empowering thing I've ever done. And that led to a solo canoe trip through the boundary waters with my dog Tucker. And then it led to a hundred mile solo paddle across the Everglades, Wow! which had um, a lot of interesting wildlife encounters along the way. But, um, It's my favorite thing. I love getting out and just being quiet and calm and still in the wild. And sometimes I love to do that with my family, and sometimes I love to do that by myself, and sometimes I love to do it with just girlfriends or whatever. And so it's definitely ignited something inside of me. And I'm already, I already have three expeditions planned for when we get back to the States. I'm pretty stoked on it. So. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful, wonderful thing to be out in the woods alone.
1: That's awesome. Do you feel like that has helped to inspire other women to do the same and follow your footsteps?
3: Yeah, it's been really neat. Um, I love to write and I love to share my experiences. And so whenever I'm out, I actually journal every single day and I post it and I do it really for me so that I can remember that experience. And so um, I was posting about my backpack trip. I was actually using the Garmin inReach to message Peter every night, my journal for the day, and he was posting it on social media. And it was extraordinary. All of these women that were amazing adventurers and some of my role models that I really have looked up to for decades are writing me saying, go, Kathy, you can do it. This is amazing. We're so inspired. I love this. And just the the love that I felt out of all of that was really exciting and I've talked, I've done presentations in front of groups and had so many different women come up to me and say, you know, I think I might be able to do this too. After hearing your experience, I think I want to try this. Wow. And that's, that's a really neat thing. That's really exciting for me. And that's motivated me to keep writing these stories and keep sharing them and hope that other people get out and do the same thing.
1: That's what it's all about. It's that's, that's, I think why we're all here some way somehow
3: yeah hope it will make a difference
1: <laughs> yeah it is kind of a funny balance when you you know maybe choose to live this lifestyle which can feel at sometimes maybe a little self Uh, centered, you know, when you're not maybe, you know, not helping out with community in the way that that you'd like, or your career is, you know, kind of very self focused. Um, But then when you take a step back, and you meet some other people that are inspired by what you're doing, or, you know, they share a story, Oh, because you did this, it's helped me take this big leap in my life, It, it just it all starts to make sense.
3: Exactly. Yeah it's just a different concept of community. I feel like we have such a broad community and friends all over the world. And it's interesting how we weave paths and connect with people from the States over in Europe and vice versa. And, you know, the community just keeps growing and growing. So it's just a different way of thinking about that, I think.
1: Absolutely. And one last question, because, um, you know, this really is for parents, but can you talk to us a little bit about Abby's education and how you got comfortable with um, what, however you decided to do that and what that looked like for you guys?
3: Yeah. So I am a former middle school science teacher. I taught in public schools in Colorado for 10 years and um Emma was was a firm advocate of public education. And so when we decided to live this life on the road, it was a big deal for Peter and I to even consider options outside of a traditional school. And it was one of the things though, we agonized in our planning phases. Oh my gosh, what is this going to do? How's this going to impact Abby and her future? And we definitely talked it to death <laughs> in yeah. the months leading up to our departure date. And so it's definitely evolved over the years. We started out with a charter school where Abby had to log in from eight to three every day, essentially. And it was basically like doing um, a normal school day, staring at a computer all day long. And we did that for a year and realized that that was not a good option. It was just tedious and difficult to find um, internet that was good enough to do it. And really, Abby was wasting an inordinate amount of time just staring at a screen watching a bar, a loading bar, you know. Mm. And so after that first year, we're like, that's, definitely not a good fit. And so the next two years, we did an online program that was work at your own pace. And so it was, you know, do this activity, check it off, do the next one. And that was definitely a better logistical fit for our family, because she could just work through it, get it done while we were driving. And then we could go out and do whatever we wanted to do whenever we got wherever we were going. So it was kind of that thing where it checked the accredited school (laughs) off the list, but she really wasn't gaining a lot out of it. And so the last couple of years for high school or for middle school, she did a variation of a textbook program and an online program. And it was a more rigorous academic program, but we were still not super excited about what was happening. What she was doing was reading about Spanish in a textbook instead of being in Spain speaking Spanish, you know, and it was just this gap of what was really happening in the real world and what she was working on in school. And so we went and talked to a school principal in Colorado and we're like, we are struggling. Our kiddo is a super smart, wonderful student and she's hating the work that she's doing in school. And it's, it's demotivating and demoralizing. And she has all these wonderful, rich opportunities around her. And the principal's like, why don't you guys just do a homeschool route? She's going to have the same opportunities to get into college unless she's planning to go to an Ivy League school. And even then, there are ways around it. And then you can really let her focus on what she's interested in and focus on what she's passionate about. And take advantage of all the opportunities that you guys are experiencing out in the world. And when he said that, it was like finally someone from the education establishment said, yes, you have permission to do this, that this is actually a good thing. And even then, Peter and I were a little bit hesitant. You know, what does that mean for her future? What's that going to be like for college and career and all of that? And again, it was just like when we sold our house, it was all these ideas that we had in our head of what school needs to be and what it's always been. And, you know, why are we thinking these things the way that we're thinking? And once we finally got the green light that Abby really will be okay with a homeschool degree or diploma, we school has changed radically So now we are piloting a program for road school students with this really innovative principal in Colorado. And basically, it revolves around five passages where Abby has to do essentially a huge independent study project, five of them. And that'll be her high school um, transcript. And he's going to help us with that part. And so, and they revolve around different themes. So one of them is around career, one of them is around, adventure. And Abby can tell you more about that. But basically, she dives deep into a theme and makes it whatever she wants it to be. So this first one, she's pursuing her public speaking business. And so she's learning about um, how to do accounting for a business and how to do marketing for a business and how to write a professional speech and how how to do a business plan and all of these things that kids do in school, but she's doing it to actually start her career. So it's a pretty exciting way to think about learning. And what it all comes down to for Peter and I is that we want her to be a person who loves learning, a person who can find information on her own, and who can contribute to the world. And as long as she can do all of those things, then we consider that a successful life. So if she decides to go to college and pursue a career that needs that, that that's great. If she wants to focus on public speaking and put her heart into that and contribute to the world that way, that's okay too. Um, As long as she is, you know, doing her best and putting her gifts out into the world.
1: That's great. I, you know, I think a lot of people are really just like you afraid of, of what happens with the education. And it seems like you've really pioneered a path that would make sense to a lot of people. And it absolutely makes sense to me. Well, Abby, what, it, what do you think about your experience so far? Does it feel like the program that you're on now is best suited for you?
2: I feel like the program, the open school program has been so perfect for me. I've spent, there's been so many days in the last or so many times in the last few years of traditional online school where I've turned down amazing opportunities from training in my kayaking to touring factories to all sorts of cool educational opportunities And uh, it's really cool to start saying yes this year.
1: Wonderful philosophy, (laughs) wonderful philosophy. Yes, be a yes person. (laughs) Great, Um, guys. Is there anything else that you feel like you wanted to share with us that we didn't cover today?
0: Wow, I don't know. I guess I guess our biggest mission statement, if you want to call it that, is just don't be afraid to take your kids out and get them dirty and go. Do the things you've always loved to do because if you show your kids how much fun that is, there's a good chance they're gonna think it's fun too. And and then you're gonna have amazing people to go do fun things with the rest of your life. So <laughs> get out there and have fun as a family.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you guys. That was that was a very inspiring interview. Oh, good. And um, I know Sophie really enjoyed meeting you at Overland Expo. And she kept saying every day, you got to meet these guys, you got to meet these guys. And you know what those shows are like, you just, <laughs> it's hard, you walk around and you try and then you know, you're not there, they're not there, whatever. But um, so nice to talk to you. And I really enjoyed listening to your other podcasts and digging into your um, some of your blog posts. And just seeing all the amazing work you're putting out there. It's its really, really inspiring. So thank you.
3: Well, thank you so much. And we hope to see you down the road somewhere. We'll go paddle a river or climb a rock.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, we just got this place in Joshua Tree. So you're, you know, come park it. The plan is to not be here too long. We're going to, the journey will continue. Um, but you got a place here if you need it.
3: Awesome. Uh, That's a good place. Thank you so much. We would, we would love that.
0: We love J-Tree. So Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, all right, guys. That's it from us. So thank you, guys.
0: Okay. Well, okay. Hey, thank you so much. This, yeah. is, this has been fun, and um, we look forward to kind of hopefully meeting up with you guys somewhere down the road.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Yeah, tell Cheers. everybody hi.
0: Okay, we will. Okay, bye. Ciao.
1: As I said before, the Holcombs are truly pioneers. They've been at it for five years now and even for us, they remain an inspiration as a family who has done it and continues to do it and finds the pleasure and, and contentment of a life on the road. They have found a way to pursue their passions, make money on the road, create an environment for their daughter to thrive and continue to travel the world. I mean, what else could you ask for? So make sure you follow these guys on Instagram. You can follow them by following Peter Holcomb. You can get them online at famagogo.com. If you want to follow Abby and her progress on the whitewater Olympic team, You can check that out at adventurous.miss on Instagram. And in the show notes, we'll have all these links along with Abby's new public speaking career that we touched on in the show, which we're super excited about. So make sure you book her in at your school or at your business if you want to hear what a young junior Olympian has to say. So that's it for the show this week. Please come back next week. We have a family afloat another family that's living on the water they are also pioneers they've been at it since about 2014 and before of course but they've been sailing around the world since 2014 so these guys have a lot to share with us they're a family of five aboard a 40-foot sailboat and they're currently down in new zealand where they've been parked for the last year Rewilding Parenthood was produced by Afuera Vida, sound and editing by Mercedes Riva, and music by Tomas Tirrell. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to support us, please consider leaving us a review, sharing with a friend, or posting this somewhere where other people can see it. So hope to have you back next week. Adios.